0: Bootstrap. Um, It's incredible what you can think of and come up with with limited resources. Um, You know, giving away equity, um, uh, bringing in a partner too soon. Um, I find that these create more problems than they solve. Um, And getting outside funding, uh, borrowing heavily to launch a business, I think is a mistake. Scaling it down to the point that you control it, you don't owe anyone anything, makes you very resourceful and creative. And I think ultimately you'll grow the business faster and bigger that way. So running lean, keep all expenses variable, use contractors, not employees, and delay, in fact, avoid
1: partners if you can. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur who's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com and we're always here to help. Now today we've got another great uh, guest on the podcast, Dan Bauer. Um, and uh, Dan was uh, going back to high school, knew that, or what he wanted to do in high school, which was he wanted to go into advertising, so had a passion for writing. Um, so he went to Ohio University and got a communications and advertising degree, and he worked for a firm for about four years, then went to work for another firm in Hawaii and did that for about 13 years, um, and then moved to the, and during that time, I think, moved to the financial advertising and business side as well, And then came to the realization that you needed a bit more experience in numbers and on the business side. So I went and got an MBA at Harvard Business School, Um, then took some uh, senior marketing roles at uh, Citibank and MasterCard. Um, and then they wanted him to relocate, and he said, "I don't want to relocate." And so he decided that uh, at that point he'd become uh, an engineer, so or an engineer, an entrepreneur, maybe an engineer as well, but an entrepreneur, and uh, tried to initially launch a mini MBA program. Found out that that's not necessarily what people were willing to pay for or were looking for. Um, so pivoted to more of a um, con- or career consulting or career path consulting business, um, and launched that as uh, launched that. Been doing it for twenty years. Then um, they an employee offered to buy out the business from them so we sold that in about 2016 and remained on for an advisory role for a bit of time launched a marketing and communications practice after that wanted to pay it forward so it's also been uh, focusing on doing a couple things with entrepreneurship forums and also doing some uh, entrepreneurship camps for high school kids so with that much as an introduction welcome on the podcast dan thanks
0: so much Devin. i appreciate it it's, it's funny to hear one's own wife uh <laughs> Uh, compacted into 60 seconds
1: exactly but kind it's of it's like that you know the end when you die and you see the life flash before your eyes and you're like <laughs> "Ah, yeah, that's all everything that i did that's interesting no it is a, a great journey and i kind of ran through it in a much quicker fashion so why don't we uh unpack it a bit and so tell us kind of how things got started uh, in high school for you and how you always knew you wanted to be in go into advertising which i'll say is not necessarily the the typical thing that high schoolers are thinking about going into so tell us how your journey got started there
0: Well, early on, I realized that uh, words were my friends more than numbers. And so um, writing and uh, framing ideas, uh, creating was really my thing. And I enjoyed that a lot. And um, was exposed to uh, uh, my best friend's uncle ran an ad agency uh, where I was growing up in Cleveland and went to visit him. And I just saw it and felt the vibe of that place. And I said, this is where I need to be. And so that's what attracted me to the agency business. My writing ability and planning ability served me very well there. And uh, it was a great run. This was a different ad, ad world, though. This was more the Mad Men uh, era. Uh, and uh, the, the word digital uh, was not in existence at that point. So I grew out of that, decided the client side would be a little more interesting. Um, and uh, at that point, I had found myself in Hawaii, where I had been recruited by an agency. Now you
1: just jumped over like twenty years of or twenty years of time. So we're going to d- jump back just a little bit to dive in. So coming sure. out of high school, you went to Ohio State University or Ohio
0: Ohio, U- Ohio, Ohio University.
1: I was, I was, I said, as soon as I said, I'm like, wait, it's not Ohio State, but Ohio University, and you got your communications and advertising degree, which makes sense, you know, you liked yes. advertising, you liked writing, saying numbers aren't my my strong suit, or at least not my passion, and so then you come out of, uh, come out of school, and you worked for a firm for about four years, is that right?
0: Yes, an agency in Pittsburgh called Ketchum, McLeod, and Grove, hmm. um, I started as, at the bottom of the ladder, uh, my office was literally a broom closet, Uh, that they took the brooms out and put a small desk in there and i just hunkered down and said i'm going to learn and i'm going to you know perform and uh and uh make my mark here one day
1: he did that so no and the ironic thing is so i have my son which is now not quite a a college university graduate a bit different but uh, he works on one of the very small family businesses and we basically did the same thing we had a small kind of closet um said okay he doesn't need a lot of room he's pretty small and you know he, he'll just be excited he has his own little office so we we set that up so now you get now so maybe that will be his or circling back after he comes to college he will have to take back over the same office but um no you did that for four years and say okay you got some great experience kind of worked your way up a bit started from the broom closet now how did you after at the end of the four years say now i'm going to go to hawaii you know sounds like a great place to go i'm not not disagreeing that it would be a fun or trip but kind of what caused that transition from the broom closet working your way up to, to move into hawaii well sometimes
0: sometimes good things happen to you as opposed to buy you and so in this case <clears throat> i had been the uh, Developed some, some mentor-mentee relationships in the agency um, and uh, um, confided in my mentor that uh, I was looking for a bigger, more consumer-oriented advertising experience. And I just filed that with him. He knew that this was my plan. So one day he calls me and says, I have a good friend with a larger agency uh, that is looking for somebody like you. I'd like to connect you with him. And I said, "Sure, if you think it's a good opportunity, I'll be happy to talk." He says, "By the way, it's in Hawaii," and I'm in Pittsburgh at the time, in the winter. So I said, "Well, I'm intrigued. Um, but, you know, I don't think it's realistic, but I'll be happy to talk with him." Uh, and that's really what started it. I had the conversation. We we met. I met some of the principals of the agency in New York and then San Francisco. They made me an offer. I said, "I can't accept it without seeing it." They said, well, we don't fly people to Hawaii. Um, you know, we've, had, we've been burned too many times by folks just looking for a free trip. So I said, and okay, there's well probably
1: some truth to that, that. You know, you're saying, oh, I'll, I'll at least entertain it. They'll fly me out. I'll spend a few days in a hotel, you know, exactly. make a trip of it. And so I, 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 I probably get that there would be the opportunity for a bit of abuse there. So go ahead. Well, so I told
0: them, you know what? I'm serious about this. I will pay my own ticket. I will fly out there for two days and we'll make a decision. And I did um, and uh, fell in love with it. Uh, great agency, uh, an incredible experience, a boy from the Midwest seeing Hawaii for the first time. Uh, and so I said, all right, I'm gonna do this. We'll try it for two years. I was fairly, uh, uh, I, I was uh, 25, I'd uh, been married two years. And uh, my wife you know, signed up for it with me and off we went and turned out to be a tremendous move. So nothing to lose, everything to gain, an incredible adventure on a personal and a professional basis. I climbed the ranks rapidly, um, and uh, after about six years at the agency, then was recruited by the competitor of my client. I was, uh, First Hawaiian Bank was my client, Bank of Hawaii was their rival. They hired me to run their communications department. So I became a client for the first time. Um, it was in that experience that I came up against my ignorance, frankly. My my business depth and rigor were now tested because I'm in a bank now. I'm the client. I need to understand what businesses the bank is in uh, so I can recommend marketing for them. So I started to attend some uh, executive education programs at Cornell. Uh, where was the other one? Um, Uh, at UVA, University of Virginia, taught by graduate professors, graduate business professors. It blew my mind. I was turned on now from a communications background. I was really getting exposed to what marketing was all about. That planted the seed in my head that I need to get more education. I need to come up against, back to the numbers, the numbers that I had avoided in, in the high school and undergrad. And I need to come face to face with that. Now, with a young family, two small boys, four and two, and a wife who had a great career in Hawaii. I had to make it count. I wasn't going to get this education at anything less than the best. And so I applied to, I fell in love with the concept of Harvard Business School and uh, explored it and said, if I can get in there, that would be the place for me. And so I did. And off we went and relocated from Honolulu to Boston, uh, bought a winter coat. Bought a uh, white shirt and a tie, and uh, and there we were uh, at Harvard, and it turned out to be incredible.
1: Now, one question just that I may have missed, or that if you did, or my apologies. So, you, you know, you're saying, okay, I need to better understand kind of their products, the you know, the number side, my yep. ignorance is finally kind of catching up with me. So, you say, okay, took some initial executive classes, decided to kind of go full bore and go to, to Harvard, you know, get the MBA. Now, that time, were you, you know, was the employer saying, you know, Great. We'll pay for it. We'll put your career on hold, or you did you do it remotely, or kind of how did you know what happened as far as a career side, Because if on the one hand you're saying, "Hey, I need this knowledge in order to be a better employee and to be able to better service the client," on the other hand you're saying, "I'm going to take a break and you know I won't be around for a while." How did the or how did that work with the the, the uh, job you had?
0: So that my knees were knocking and my palms were sweating when I went to the CEO of the bank and said, "I've made a big decision. I love it here. This is great, but." I want to reinvest in myself. And so I cut the cord. I left a great job in paradise, frankly, uprooted my family. But I, had, I just had faith. I had faith that this place, Harvard Business, Harvard Business School, getting this MBA would open up avenues for me that I could never even put a toe into if I didn't do that. So I, we liquidated. I sold my house, um, packed up the kids. Um, And off we went for this adventure, just basically on on confidence and faith, I I knew that I could make the most of it. And, you know, this is like burning the boats, you know, there was no turning back. Once I left this, first time I'd ever been unemployed, uh, by choice, at least. Uh, And, uh, and uh, I knew that I had to make it count. So if you put enough of a bet on it, you're gonna, you're gonna win. (laughs) And, and, And that's what happened.
1: Now you say, okay, you know, you, you take the old Cortez line, you know, burn the ships. You're exactly you're there. You're going to do it, and you know, you don't have, you know, you made the decision, and you don't have any choice. So you go and do right. the, you know, you go get the MBA at Harvard and, you know, certainly a good school and, 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 you know, from the educational perspective, but, you know, you still have a bit of that uncertainty. Was it a you know, you have burned the ships, you don't have a decision, but you can always say, was it a good decision to burn the ships or should we have sailed back that type of a thing? Or should I go, should I have stayed in Hawaii? So as you're coming out of, you know, out of the getting the MBA, you know, was it a good decision and kind of what was uh, the next step from there?
0: So it turned uh, the, the reward, the, uh, the, uh, you know, recognition that this was a good decision came to be during the recruiting season when I, uh, because I was more experienced than um, most of my classmates, I had a sort of a hybrid profile. And so this, this appealed to um, quite a few companies. Um, I had four job offers coming out of uh, Harvard. Um, and here's where I got a little bit conservative. I decided to go back to the industry that I had left, financial services. So rather than doing you know, McKinsey consulting, that sort of thing, I said, all right, I'm going to retrench now um, where my experience and my profile were the most valuable to the marketplace was in banking. And so I accepted an offer by Citibank and uh, joined them as VP of national marketing. That's what brought me to Chicago from Boston, was to join Citibank. Um, it was interesting, uh, very political environment. Uh, Very corporate, a lot of turf struggles. Um, And I think if I was rethinking my decision to leave Hawaii and get the MBA, it was never really tested at business school. But now it started to be tested when I entered this uh, corporate environment, (laughs) assessing, is this really for me? Is this really what I did all this for? And so um, uh, before I could uh, really conclude that, I was uh, recruited by MasterCard. Uh, also in Chicago, with a great opportunity, Senior VP of Global Marketing for their debit business. And that was fabulous. I loved it. Now I was now I was being rewarded for having the sacrifice and taking the risk of leaving Hawaii to do that. This was a great job. It was a great job until, as you said, they asked me to relocate. Now they wanted me to move to New York, to Westchester. And uh, my wife and boys were now, you know, uh, more entrenched in chicago and i didn't want to do that to them again you know we we'd been everywhere we'd done everything it was time to settle so that's when the entrepreneurial bug started to get seated in me um and that was my moment of truth
1: now one question and that make, definitely makes sense now the question is is you know was the entrepreneurial bug is more of hey, I finally had the opportunity to chase the idea that I've always had, or is it more of, hey, I don't want to move, I don't want to go for it for someone else, and so I'm kind of, you know, forced into that box, not in a bad way, because I, I, I love entrepreneurship, but was it more of kind of thrust upon you, or did you kind of more seek it out?
0: Yeah, it, good question, Devin. It was really a combination of the two. Without being soured on the corporate America experience, I don't think I would have done it. In other words, I'd seen the downside of that, um, you know, I, I don't want to badmouth it, but uh, I ran that ran out of excitement for me. My passion was not that anymore. And the posit, from the positive standpoint, this MBA education had been so incredibly, um, you know, empowering for me and 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 invigorating for me that I felt that there was a an arena there where I could build an entrepreneurial venture and speak to my passion and leverage that passion. So. That was really it It was the it was the, you know, enough of corporate America. And here's a brand new door that opened that makes my heart beat faster. And that was in the education, higher education sector. So the 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 uh, the crossover between those two was my marketing and strategy background. And I said, I can capitalize on that in this education and development sector and create a business. And so that's that was the opening to entrepreneurship to me.
1: And that uh, definitely makes sense. Now, as I, as you got into it, you know, and we chatted a bit before the show, you had kind of the idea of a a mini MBA program or for those that want to get some of that education, but don't want to do it as a full-time, or a part or nighttime student, and, you know, have it a bit more condensed and I have to have the the near amount of expense as well as, you know, time commitment. So that was the original idea. And it sounds like when we talked that you know, while it may have been a good idea on paper is one of those that didn't work out in reality, and, and that one flopped. Is that right? Yes, exactly. I had everything but customers. Um, great Don't concept. sometimes it's a little <laughs> bit important.
0: Very important. But uh, I, I found that throughout my entrepreneurial journey, it's sometimes the second idea that's the home run. Um, you've got to learn by doing the first one. And that's what I found. So it got me into the marketplace, the education marketplace. But I realized people wanted the real thing. And so uh, fortunately, um, shortly after graduation, I had been an interviewer, admissions interviewer, for Harvard Business School as an alum. I learned a lot about the process, what they look for, um, what the pool of applicants is like. And so this was my aha moment. I said, I will guide people in their careers and their educational choices and enhancing their candidacy so that they have more opportunities. And that's what launched my business called the MBA Exchange. Um, And, uh, you know, that was really the beginning of that hands-on entrepreneurial journey. I grew it from myself and a laptop to uh, about 75 consultants around the world. Uh, Over the span of 20 years, we served about 5,000 young people, clients, and uh, just created a business of which I was extremely proud and could justify my seven-day weeks and 18-hour days and loved every minute of it.
1: I thought that as soon as you became an entrepreneur, you work, you know, according to television and movies, you work about one to two hours a week (laughs) and you get paid millions of dollars. That's not the case. No, I not the case. Certainly joking on that one. But, uh, yeah. you know, I think that there is sometimes a disconnect that just because you're following what you love and uh, doing your own business doesn't mean that you're not going to work a lot of or hours and doesn't always mean that you're going to just have money rain from the sky. That, those things may come and you may be able to get to a point that you can take a, a little bit of a breather, but that's not going to be the beginning and it, it may not ever come. And so you might as well just say, Hey, this is what I love and this is what I want to do. So now you're doing that and you did that for you know quite a period of time and, you know, grew it, you had, you know, quite a few people on the team or, you know, is, uh and, uh, and, and was expanding it. And then I think, as you mentioned around 2016, you had one of your employees that came and kind of offered to buy out the business and, uh, and to take over for you. And is that the case?
0: Yes, exactly. So this was, you know, I wasn't necessarily looking for an exit at that point, uh, maybe a few years short of that, but I realized that, you know, a service business is not, is not easy to sell sometimes. And, um, Um, And the due diligence process of selling a business can be very complex and exhausting and and not fruitful. And so this one, just this opportunity seemed to me to be the best of both worlds. Someone I knew, liked and trusted, who knew, liked and trusted me, um, would keep the due diligence process more minimal. He knew the business. And uh, I decided to do that. And it also, it allowed me to stay with it. My exit included several years as an advisor um, and chairman, and uh, this was my baby, and I didn't, wasn't quite ready to part company with it, so that turned out to be the way that I did my, my exit in 2016.
1: Oh, and that, that makes sense. And you know, it, it is one where service-based businesses are always g- generally and, and as a rule much harder to sell because most of it is still is based on relationships and the right. person that's you know the founder and the one that has all the connections and that's been built over a period of time. And so it's often very hard to transition that to someone else because as that person leaves, that everybody has a relationship with, they that's no right. longer have that connection and they, they tend to look somewhere else. And so definitely sounds like hey, if we can have someone that's already familiar with the business, already been around for a while and then otherwise um, can make a much better transition, sounds like a great opportunity. So now as you're saying, okay, coming out, sold the business, moved to an advisory role. Now how did you kind of get into the the current things, what you're doing, which is you know, doing a marketing communications practice. You're also doing entrepreneurship forums and also entrepreneurship camps. And so it doesn't sound like you sold the business and just said, I'm going to take a break and retire, but it sounded like you had a few other things. So how did you kind of transition or what made you decide to go in that direction?
0: So I retired for a weekend. That was pretty much it. I had a Saturday and a Sunday and uh, realized that, uh, you know, business is my, my, my hobby, my passion, my network, you know, I identify with it and, uh, and wanted to do it. Um, I think it probably was that MBA education. Um, Harvard is known for what's called the case study method. And rather than a lot of lectures and textbooks, um, students are immersed in hundreds, literally hundreds of case studies, new ones every day. And in the course of a 24 hour period, I was immersed in a business given some facts, but not complete information and then forced to make a decision. What are you going to do? So I really got uh, an appetite for this immersion in brand new industries and brand new companies, you know, framing problems, coming up with hypotheses, testing them, implementing them, tweaking them, and then moving on to the next situation. I found that to be very gratifying for me. So, um, consulting was the way to do that. I, I, I'm fascinated by new industries and new companies. And so I tapped into my network that I had built over the years and uh, had my first couple of clients. And that was really the beginning of it. I I haven't had to uh, go out and hunt and gather uh, very much since then. Um, I love the doing the work, um, the trust that's built up with clients. And again, this exposure and this education. So by now I've probably worked in probably 40 industries. Um, and uh, each one is, you know, the next one is the one that turns me on the most. And so that's what I've been doing is, is um, strategy, competitive analysis, stakeholder interviews, you know, branding, this sort of, this sort of thing. And it's just great. Now, um, at this chapter of my career, um, uh, again, being so, such an evangelist for entrepreneurship, I wanted to give back and pay forward and all those other cliches. And so I did that in a couple of ways. One was forming uh, forums, uh, groups of non-competing entrepreneurs uh, to engage with each other, sort of serve as a personal and professional board of directors. So I've done that. I'm I'm now splitting my time between Chicago and Nashville. And I did that with two groups uh, in Nashville. the other thing that I wanted to do as a, as a dad and now a grandfather was thinking about the next generations of entrepreneurs. And so um, I had again, I'm, I'm an educator, a mentor, a coach, and I decided that a camp, summer camp for high school kids to study entrepreneurship and really get hands-on would be the way to do it. I assessed that market. I found some programs being offered by colleges that were really sort of thinly veiled recruiting opportunities for them to get high school kids to apply to the school. And I found some very tech-oriented um, camps that had a narrower window. If I was, think- if I was a, a, a high school student thinking about a product or a service business, it really wouldn't relate as much to me. So I, I uh, recruited a couple of great partners, uh, a uh, title sponsor of uh, Inc. Magazine which is the Bible for entrepreneurs and a uh, wonderful camp company called summer discovery uh, to provide the logistics and a third nonprofit called the network for teaching entrepreneurship to come up with a curriculum and provide certified teachers. So I aggregated them and now we're launching this summer, um, a program called Inc young entrepreneurs um, that will be held on four college campuses. Uh, for high school kids. I'm really excited about it. And uh, that'll start at the end of June.
1: That's awesome. That sounds like it's a, you know, Gratifying way to give back to to continue to participate in a lot of the things that you've been excited about for the last part of your career, you know, all of your career, but even more so, dive in the last part of it, and then um, and also, uh, you know, or explore a new opportunity. And I had to laugh when you say, "No, startups are my hobby," because that's usually what I I say as well. Usually, when people ask, you know, I'll give some other you know, can try things. There are other things I enjoy, but by and large, usually if I have some free time and my mind tends to wander, it ends up wandering uh, back to a new idea or new startup or something to, to do with the current businesses I run. So I think that there's definitely that, that mindset. Well, I'm, th- that, I'm, I'm, I'm
0: thinking that, you know, a lot of the entrepreneurs that watch your podcast, um, they may have kids or neighbors or nieces and nephews in high school age that might be really turned on by this. You know, we all want to pass this on to our kids. Uh, one of my sons is a is an entrepreneur here. And so I I think that giving back is very important. Um, It's also exposed me to some other educators in entrepreneurship at the university level. Um, And I have actually three CEOs from Shark Tank funded companies that are going to be mentors and judges in our program this summer. So if anyone's interested in learning about it, they can go to uh, www.summerdiscovery.com and they'll see details about it there.
1: Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to to check that out, and we'll re, we'll, uh, we'll mention that again uh, as we wrap up great. the podcast. So we'll give an, people an opportunity to hear that again and find out a little sure. bit more there. But before we dive to that part, and we are we can, now as we're kind of at the you know the present day or kind of where your journey has led to up your, or to where you're at today. Uh, great time to to transition to the two questions I always ask you at the end of the podcast about your journey. So the first question I always ask is along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made, and what you learn from it.
0: Um, I think the worst decision I made was just prior to the entrepreneurship journey, which was um, taking a job just because you need a job. Um, Financial obligations, the fear of unemployment, um, those are very powerful forces in in anyone's life. They were in mine. And so, um, you know, at a a point where the... uh, um, the current job was not what I had in mind. Instead of starting that entrepreneurial venture at that point, I delayed it one more stop. And, and I regret that because it became stifling and frustrating to be ready to be an entrepreneur, but to not start the effort. So I guess taking a job just to have a job is was the worst decision I made. I pulled the cord on that after a year, and then the heavens opened up and I could pursue what I wanted. So take the risk, bet on yourself, you know, having the marketplace as the variable rather than the politics and, and uh, you know, uh, myopia of uh, bosses uh, is, is not as risky as it may sound. And so that's, that was my learning moment uh, in my path.
1: No, and I think that's a great takeaway because, you know, it's interesting. I think that, you know, I think we're now coming up on 400 episodes and out of all of that, and there's a lot of different answers that people have given, but there's certainly a common theme with a lot of times the biggest mistake people make is not getting started earlier. And it's not that, you know, hey, it's not that they necessarily would have been rich beyond their wildest dreams or even that they would have been more successful or anything else. It's more of, hey, I found, I I love this. It was a great passion of mine. I enjoyed it, made a big difference in my life. Now I wish I'd just done that 10 years earlier before I went sure. through all the other things that I thought I had to do in order to get here. So I think that that's like a great takeaway for people to, to be reminded of. Second thing is, is if you were to talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them?
0: Okay. I was thinking about this and I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat a little bit and give you two. One is bootstrap. Um, it's incredible what you can think of and come up with, with, Limited resources, Um, you know, giving away equity, um, uh, bringing in a partner too soon. um, I find that these create more problems than they solve. Um, And getting outside funding, uh, borrowing heavily to launch a business, I think is a mistake. Um, Scaling it down to the point that you control it, you don't owe anyone anything, makes you very resourceful and creative. And I think ultimately you'll grow the business faster and bigger that way. So running lean, keep all expenses variable, use contractors, not employees, and delay, in fact, avoid partners if you can. Um, alliances are better than, than alliances and contractors are better than partners and employees. Eventually you reach a point where to grow, you've got to do that and Going kicking and screaming into that is a good way to do it. Your decisions will be more precise. You won't have to look back and say, geez, I did that too soon. I gave away too much of the pie. I didn't need to do that. So it would be, you know, bootstrap and scale organically and count on yourself uh, rather than trusting in partners.
1: No and I think that there's a lot of truth there I mean I think that people oftentimes they get into it and they think oh I have to have a partner I have to you know have that you know person and that resource in order to be able to grow and I think you hit on two things one is you know, I think for some businesses you may not want to scale or have to grow beyond a certain size. You may just enjoy being able to right. run your own thing, make your own decisions, have a good or good business, good or in, good income. and it may not be a good opportunity. you may not want to bring on those partners because it does change the dynamic and it changes it from, hey, I can have an idea, implement it, do my own things, try it out you know, do, or, or set the, the business I want to go to, hey, now I'm accountable to someone. And if that's an investor, now you have to make a return. If that's a partner, you have to have a second yep. or second person make decisions, which can be good things. They can also leverage a lot of things, but I think that you should go slowly, kind of, you said, kicking and screaming and see, do you want that person? Do you really need them? And if so, wait until you need to get to that point and certainly don't uh, bring them on early because I think that there, it changes a lot of the dynamic and can cause a lot of issues with the business. So I think that that's definitely- absolutely. A the,
0: the, the other one that I want to just hitchhike on that was <clears throat> start with the website. A lot of people think, well, geez, I need to form my business structure, it, et cetera. And then I'm going to eventually come up with a website. I find that starting with a website is a great way to do it. Don't, don't launch the website yet, but unless you can craft your value proposition into something tangible, start to make promises, then you figure out how to fulfill those promises. So, Starting with the website is not a bad way to flesh out a business, rather than starting with a rough business plan. You'll back into the business plan based on how you go to market. So that's a little irreverent, but that would be the other advice that I would have.
1: No, oh, and I think that there's a lot of things because when you go through a lot of what you're doing in a website design, if you if you do a good job now, people sometimes put up pretty pictures and it doesn't really do it. But if you do a good job on a website design, you have to think about what is your value proposition? What is your pricing? Who yes. are your customers? And it's going to be a lot of the same thing, as you mentioned, almost as doing that business plan. But one, it's a lot a lot of times a lot more fun to have a, a website that's visible and tangible that you can see. But two, yes. it also tends to move it along and make progress. And so you kind of hit that a lot of the same things you're doing with the business plan, but you're not having to just sit down and begrudgingly put it on paper and write it out because you're doing that same exercise. So I think that's a, a great a great uh, piece of advice. Yep. Well, as we wrap up, um, if people want to reach out to you, if they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to go to one of your camps, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Sure. So in
0: terms of the camp, Again, uh, Young uh, Inc., Young Entrepreneurs. Um, that would, the details there would be at uh, www.summerdiscovery.com. That's our camp partner. Um, as far as myself, my consulting practice, and so on, best way to reach me would be at my website, which is Bauer, B A U E R, dash inc.com, Bauer dash inc.com.
1: Awesome. I definitely encourage people to check out any or all of the above as there's a lot of good resources. And, you know, if I was in high school, I wish I could have gone to a camp and not one that is just trying to get you to go to the school, but as you said, a a real (laughs) camp where you can actually get the experience and try it out and see whether you love it. And, and, you know, I think that that's just, it sounds like something pretty exciting. So on a lot of fronts, I think there's a lot of great, uh, great reasons to connect. Well thank you again for coming on the podcast it's been a fun it's been a pleasure now for all of you that are listeners if you have uh, if uh, you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast we'd love to have you just go to inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the show a um, couple more things as a listener make sure to leave a review click subscribe click share because we want to make sure that everybody finds out about all these awesome journeys we also want to make sure to help as many entrepreneurs along their path as we can so go in, or go ahead and uh, do all all of the above if you're if you're able to And last but not least, if you ever need help with patents, trademarks, or anything else with your business, just go to strategymeeting.com. Grab some time with us to chat. We're always here to help. Thank you again, Dan, for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last.
0: Thank you, Devin. I enjoyed it.